what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. I was pausing there for a second to see if we were interrupted by any sort of mystery woo. And <laughs> thankfully, I hear none. Not that, I, not that I Thankfully. don't appreciate the people that we've spoken to. They're wonderful people, and I've enjoyed having them on the show. You're <laughs> just, just glad that it's over. <laughs> it does sort of take me out of my rhythm a bit. <laughs> Try, I, you know, my, my Shangri-La is one day I'm going to get a spit take out of you yet. It's, it's come close a couple times, but I, I think uh, I almost did one while ago. We were talking before we hit record. Well, I see you drinking, and speaking yes. of spit takes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, uh, in our immortal top cast words, uh-huh. what's in the thermos, Kelvin? Well, uh, said thermos uh, contained, until I poured it out for you and for me, um, a particular co- shared coffee. And let me tell you a story, Tom. Oh, Today's boy. coffee has been a while in coming. It comes to us a while back, from our colleague and TopCast listener, Cindy Lohan, currently from Western Governors University. Cindy, for our listeners, has held a number of roles in online education over many years in virtual K-12, higher ed, and in the vendor community. And specifically, this coffee is back to our TopCast preferred practice of single-origin coffees. It is a Guatemala from Stewart Coffee Company in Stewart, Florida, where Cindy has continued to maintain her home base while working remotely with a variety of employers. As with others that I've known who work remotely, I assume she balances virtual connections with periodic on-site presence. I I assume so. I don't know. At least that's, I assume, what the case is when there's not a global pandemic going on. So how's the coffee? And could you find a connection to today's topic? Um, I I like the coffee very much. I think I see the connection. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah, yes, I do. Yes. And We're I just going to go with whatever it is you say it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, I have to say, uh, actually, Cindy's an old, old friend of mine. We went to high school together down in South Florida. I, knew I noticed was, the old, old. <laughs> yes, although I look a lot older than she does. Um, yeah, uh, before she was Cindy Lohan. And um, and uh, she does have a, uh, you know, a, a really distinguished career in education. She was one of the first teachers at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in K-12 uh, down in South Florida. So thank you, Cindy, for the mm-hmm. coffee. It is very much uh, appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. Yes, so uh, what's the connection? Besides what's the, the connection? I've known her since high school. That's right. um, the work, remote workforce 
aspect of it, I'm mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess, uh, given the nature of her roles. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know she's worked for a publisher and a vendor, and now for Western Governors. So um, yes, and those have all been remote. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's the main one that I'm I'm digging on. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, no, I think that's right. That's what I was thinking. And the only other thing, there was, it's more subtle, but then we, we've, been, we've been doing um, blends a lot lately for some reason or another. And I was just glad to be back to a single origin coffee, which is ironic, right? Because, because the word blended is about to come up a lot in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, we have spoken a lot on TopCast about the potential of blended learning, uh, especially as we plan to emerge from COVID-19. But when we've talked about blended learning, typically we've meant blended course design uh, previously when we've discussed it on TopCast. But today we want to give some thought to a, a bit more broad context for blended learning in higher ed. We want to give some consideration to blended campus experiences for students post-pandemic. And to get there, we want to take a bit of a side trip to touch on the likelihood of blended or hybrid workplaces in the post-COVID world. How's that for a setup? Yeah, something we've been talking about a lot lately here internally, and it's been uh, consuming a lot of cycles, <laughs> <laughs> both both here at UCF, I imagine at, at other institutions, but uh, also kind of national organizations. Mm-hmm. I know you're involved with the Online Learning Consortiums, blended mm-hmm. learning, kind of reimagining, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that conversation sort of happening at a, at a more macro level as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you know, I don't know how, we were talking about this recently, I don't know how many times, and it's not just me saying it, right, I don't know how many times I've heard people say some version of, boy, blended, blended is the future. Now more than ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, before we hit record, I was mentioning that I, I had recently done sort of an, one of those little self-paced online courses mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. kind of reflecting on the remote work experience. And um, one of the things that they said in this course was that um, uh, most people preferred a hybrid work environment as opposed to 100% remote or 100% mm-hmm. in the office mm-hmm. when you asked employees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I, I think, think that's interesting. People are kind of voting uh, with their feet, well, <laughs> when we're done with the pandemic. Right. Uh, I yeah. imagine that they will vote with their feet based upon that kind of polling data. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I do think it is important to note, you know, kind of the, the continued pandemic response versus the eventual post-pandemic. Yeah, it's thing. hard. I, I find myself falling into that trap sometimes, too, where I, I have to kind of caveat, all right, this is about when th- yeah, we have a choice yeah, yeah, versus yeah, yeah, now right. where we kind of don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have been saying a lot of this, too. You and I have talked a lot about this, and as you said, you've been fostering a lot of discussion with a little task force here um, at UCF uh, within our Division of Digital Learning, but I think in general, synthesizing the stuff that I'm reading and listening to and talking to colleagues, I do think that uh, it is difficult to imagine, I'll put it real broadly, it's difficult to imagine that 100% of employees will return to their campus workplaces 100% of the time post-pandemic. It's hard to imagine that, having stretched the possibilities of what can be done virtually and and then looking for what, what value uh, in-person, face-to-face can can offer. 
So I think some degree of flexibility and hybridization is definitely on the horizon. I would agree. Um, now, obviously, the the disclaimer there is that you know, depending upon the job. Sure. So you know, if sure. you're a if you're in a student facing yeah, 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 yeah. role on campus, if you're a groundskeeper or something, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe maybe you can't necessarily do your job remotely. But it's been interesting to see how many jobs really can be done remotely. So mm-hmm. things that you might think of as student facing, like advisors or mm-hmm. or something. I mean, that's all happening virtually through you know, Zoom and Teams and other meeting technologies. Um, so you, it stretched our imagination, this pandemic, to, to think about a world where, um, where you have access to these tools and you, you aren't necessarily bound to the campus environment in a way that previously we thought was, was the only way to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about what's kind of bubbling up with... Um our own division of Digital Learning Task Force here, some concrete things that you and they have been talking about. Does that help us? Yeah, maybe maybe it's one way to, to kind of get into this conversation. Um, and who knows, by the time somebody's listening to this, it's in, in the future and all of this was like, wow, they really got that wrong. But, um, <laughs> but for now, uh, it is something that we are kind of grappling with. And it's what does this, this future state post-pandemic look like for our work environment. Mm-hmm. And we've got a, a building full of knowledge workers here, and 95% of them are 100% remote. Mm-hmm. There's a small mm-hmm. handful of people that kind of have to be on campus, mm-hmm. um, and then others of us who choose to be here on some mm-hmm. basis. And uh, otherwise, everybody's remote, and it's mm-hmm. worked okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I've asked uh, a group of of staff members from across the division representing different kinds of teams and different kinds of employees from full-time to part-time. We've got full-time uh, faculty classified staff to professional mm-hmm. staff to others mm-hmm. across the, the range to spend the spring semester looking at the future of remote work within the division. Obviously, assuming that nothing would end up conflicting with HR or other kinds of policies that might come out in the future from the university. But in the absence of that, what does our policy look like? And I've asked, I've given them two pages of questions to think about as part of their charge. Um, But a lot of it for me comes down to culture. That needs to be our North Star. Uh, For me, it's innovation over productivity. You might be surprised to hear me say that. I don't care as much about productivity as I do about innovation Mm because I think that's our bread and butter. And um, I got asked a really good question by somebody from our HR department, which is, what have we learned about blended learning that could be applied to blended work? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, an interesting way of framing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I don't remember Remarkable, if we talked about this. Remarkable, uh, insightful question. It was, yeah. And, and I know you and I have talked about this so many times, I don't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast. So I, I don't want to bore our listeners by going into it too much, but at very much high level, it is um, privilege the things that, that are face-to-face yeah. and do those really well. Take advantage of those mm-hmm. opportunities mm-hmm. and don't squander them with things that could be done remotely. Yeah. And, and that, that is the, mm-hmm. the, the core of what, of what the team is looking at right now. I think that's excellent. And yes, I think that is a very key piece of 
advice for doing blended course design. I think we have talked about that a little bit in the in the past um, here on the podcast, uh, and I think that's that's really wise um, as we think about a, a, some kind of a blended or hybrid. Uh, approach in the workplace going forward. Like, well, I guess one real concrete example that I wonder about, right, is um, I, I, I said this in a talk recently. I was doing it a, in a virtual talk. I was doing it a, at another institution um, where I kind of made this point that I think this is kind of the future. Uh, but imagine conference rooms where there are some folks who are physically present, you know, in your, in your workplace, and others are on screen via a collaboration platform like Zoom or Teams or WebEx or something. And maybe the default expectation is that, you know, you don't make a big deal out of like, oh, who's going to be able to be, you just kind of set up the uh, the collaboration tool appointment and uh, link and put it in the appointment regardless, right? And then, right. And then it's, it works, for, it's kind of almost like a universal design for learning approach. You know, you kind of plan uh, the broadest access and then and then in, in practice, it's like, okay, uh, you're going to be here and you're going to be here and for a particular reason, and then the rest of us can be connected. And that, that might be a thing. I don't know. No, I agree. I think that's coming. I think that's a given, what you just described, uh, to try and make this as seamless as possible mm-hmm. and have it, quote, unquote, just work. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. going to have to be like that. Mm-hmm. But there are other kind of more minutia kinds of questions that I'm also mm-hmm. asking people to talk about that are kind of policy-related, things like, um, all right, so if you're one of these remote people in one of these meetings and the rest Mm -hmm. of the team is in the room, or if you're one of three or four remote people and it's a big team meeting or something, um, isn't there, should there be an expectation that you have your camera on Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so that you are equally present to that group as they are to each other and to you, or you would be as if you were in the room? And, and maybe that's not quite so optional as it is now. Mm-hmm. So I'm drawing a distinction between now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which yeah. is yeah. people yeah. are yeah. remote, not by yeah. choice. Right. So right. they may right. not have a configured right. workspace or they've got yeah. their kids home and their spouse home. And it's, it's, not, it's not designed as a voluntary thing right now. But, as we joke, in the aftertimes, when you do have a choice yeah. and you're making a, a, you know, you have some agency in whether or not you are remote, well, I think the expectations change under those circumstances. And I think that your colleagues' expectations of you potentially mm-hmm. change. So that's one example. Yeah. One yeah. I heard in this, in this little self-paced course, too, was, uh, yeah, you may be just as productive on any given day of the week remotely but if you are working remotely Monday and Friday or Monday <laughs> or Friday, uh-huh. there is a perception uh-huh. that you're just angling for a long weekend. Mm-hmm. And even if that's not true, it's, mm-hmm. it may be it's better just to have a policy not to have remote days on Monday, Friday, just to avoid that perception yeah, for people. Right. Which I thought that's interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and again, in the aftertimes, not, right, not right, right, right exactly. now. Yeah, I think, I think, those, are, I think those, are, those are interesting um, ideas, uh, to be sure. I think uh, a relevant note here, we can stick it in the show notes, you know, Educause has been doing these um, quick polls um, in recent months and kind of gauging from the community uh, uh, things that will help guide us in our as we emerge from the pandemic. And, and there was one related to remote work, uh, specifically related to uh, institutional uh, data security and um, 
and personal privacy issues. Those were kind of not exactly counterbalanced, but somewhat counterbalanced in the poll. And they had some interesting thoughts about that, just practices, you know, engaging uh, to what extent the respondents were employing those practices. Very interesting. Um, so I think that has some implications for how you do that. I think we have a lot we can learn from organizations like Educause, mm -hmm. which is a fully remote organization. I know they have uh, offices <laughs> in Colorado and D.C., but uh, by and large, the organization is remote. John O'Brien lives in Seattle, right? right so he's not right. even in the offices. Right. So um, what can we learn from, from organizations like that, from the Online Learning Consortium that are 100% remote that uh, can help us? Uh, like, for example, I'm thinking that part of the reason we were so successful, and I may have said this before, is that we had established relationships, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. forged face-to-face -face yeah. that just carried over into the remote environment. Mm -hmm. And that worked really yeah. well. Yeah. But it's been a year we've been doing this now, and we've hired people. And there are people that we've hired that have like never set foot in our building right. and that I haven't met face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we bring them into our culture, right. make them part of the team, yeah. have them influence what we're doing. Yeah. When it's just on Zoom, it, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And if, if we were going to have a more remote workforce, what do those, those organizations do, like Educause and OLC, to onboard people and, and make them understand the culture and the, how they can be contributors and all of that? Um, it's, it's all new territory for us in the, in the academy. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, that made me think of you and I were both on a conference call uh, as we're recording this earlier today uh, that involved some of the provosts from around uh, our state system. And they were doing some thinking about the post-COVID times and getting different perspectives. And one of the uh, faculty members who's on our board of governors was um, making uh, some suggestions. And one of the provosts uh, rift on that suggestion to comment about the nature, what is it to be a university and what is it to be a faculty, uh, and anchoring down to the geographic presence, you know, and the relationships that are there. Uh, and this provost was commenting like, I don't, I don't know what that would be like to have faculty that you hire and that are somewhere else and there's no, there's no like collegiality he was saying, and there's there's no presence at you know anchoring to the institution. Yeah, he was getting at the concept of community. Yes, and that when you join a university, you join a community yes. of faculty and students. Yeah. And I, and I, I take his point. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I before UCF, um, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> more than twelve years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, I, I worked at a university that was distributed across the globe, yeah. with campuses everywhere, and. They did something, it was like every other year, I think, we would have a conference where they invested and paid the money and brought everybody together. Yeah. And we would have an event, and mm -hmm. it was great. It was professional development, but it was, but it was also about team building, and it was about getting to know your colleagues that might work on the other side of the planet. It was great. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you probably need to do that yeah. periodically. Yeah. yeah. Well... I said we would Lillipad jump over to this other topic. I think that topic of post-pandemic workplace is relevant for our listeners, you know, regardless of their role, but maybe more core to the target of our topics on the podcast is 
is this assertion I will make and see what you think. Um, it's also difficult to imagine that 100% of students will return to their campuses 100% of the time post-pandemic, regardless of what the institutional context was pre-pandemic, right? Uh, we've seen some of that dynamic here at UCF for many years, but um, I think there's implications of that. If that's true, there's implications for kind of a, a lot of things um, that we've already touched on a little bit, student services, student life, and all of that. But would you would you agree that that's more likely to be the case post-pandemic now? Yeah, I totally. Um, and, and I even see it in my own family. So my mm-hmm. son's a college junior, and I was talking to him the other night. He's, he's going to move off campus next year and um, be in an apartment. And I was like, well, you know, he's in a fraternity house right now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, it was, it's been nice having you on campus because even though all his classes are online, in theory, he'd be more likely to be on time for class if he can just skateboard <laughs> over there as opposed to get in the car and drive and find a parking yeah, spot right. and everything. And I was like, you know, I don't want any incentives for you to kind of say, oh, you don't have to go to class. He's like, Dad, probably my classes are going to be online anyway. And that's probably <laughs> not something he would have said. Yeah, um, And I, I imagine there are a lot of other students that are saying, well, you know, I have a lot more flexibility mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there are more choices for me now. Mm-hmm. You and I know because we've been having a conversation about modalities with students mm-hmm. and faculty. When we most mm-hmm. recently talked to students, they told us even though they have to, like for a synchronous class, if the faculty member records it, they quickly realize that and say, okay, I don't have to get yep. up at 8 o'clock. Nope. I'll watch that later. 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. One of them said that, yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think the future right. is, I mean, it, it is blended, to quote you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. it is definitely going in that direction. Yeah, I think about things like student services. You, you touched on this a little while ago when we were talking about the workplace. Um, what services for students will only be offered face-to-face, you know, in terms of privileging, you know, kind of things that, can only be conducted um, in person, but what services will be provided online or face-to-face as kind of an option or only online? I wonder about that. You know, uh, our student services colleagues uh, some years back, I remember sitting in an office in our, in our, in our Millican Hall, our administrative um, building, where we were, we were asked to consult on, well, how do you make these things more virtual? How do you use Skype for... I remember this conversation very clearly. <laughs> yeah, well, we yeah, that's where it started, and it, it took a while to bring them along. They're uh-huh. all along now. Yeah, <laughs> but right. you know, there one of the one of the areas that never left campus and hasn't left for the last year is uh, health services and counseling. Yeah, they're there now. Yep. They're doing a lot remotely to support mm-hmm. students who aren't on campus, but they're also seeing students in person, and and it's hard. There's only so much telehealth is going to get you, right? At mm-hmm. some point, you need to come in and say, this mm-hmm. is where it hurts, or this yeah. looks funny, you know, uh-huh. whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so I think some of those will probably always be, have a face-to-face mm-hmm. component. Um, but I've been, I've been amazed at what they've been able, even that group has been able to do remotely. Yeah, I'm also, you know, in terms of what we call like campus life, that 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 student experience with the institution and and beyond just courses. I'm really curious about how how much that will revert back to 100% face to face or whether 
those will stretch to do more virtual offerings. You know, right, with our, say, our UCF online students who don't have a, uh, a, a presence on the physical campus, that's sometimes a little bit of a, a challenge for them because not all yeah. student organizations offer those virtual options and so forth. Um, like an example of, of an institution where this has done well, I think, because it keeps coming up as an example through the years, is uh, Northern Virginia Community College, NOVA, uh, has a long-standing virtual student union that has lots of activities. We'll put a link in the, the show notes. I remember seeing a session from them years ago. I think that's a great exemplar, but to what extent will our institutions offer options or uh, be solely virtual? I'm really curious to see how that plan pans out. Yeah, I mean, I have a theory um, that... Um I, I, just like meetings here going mm-hmm, forward mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. always include the link to the yep. Zoom or Teams or whatever it mm-hmm. is, um, I think that like clubs will probably have that too. And that'll make mm-hmm. it much more accessible for the fully online students who mm-hmm. want to participate in those clubs. Where in the past, it's been really hard. Yeah. In fact, one of our colleagues here was working on an app to try to make those right. those things available to right. fully online students who yep. weren't uh able to access them. Um, so I think that, that that will just become part of it. And that'll be used by clubs or affinity groups. And I know that groups have started, I mean, they're meeting now, they're continuing their, the work that they do. I'm thinking of our like Caribbean Student Association and they, they meet on Zoom. And that will probably continue, mm-hmm, I, would, mm-hmm. I would imagine, or at least have a mm-hmm. Zoom option. Mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Like during orientation week or not even orientation week, but like the first week of, of the term in the fall, mm-hmm. they have all this week of welcome kind of stuff. Right, and there's right, like, right. like a movie out on the lawn mm-hmm, in the mall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, this year, the last two years, it's been uh, just virtual. You can mm-hmm, log mm-hmm. in and watch the movie with all your friends. And that's just mm-hmm. not the same yeah, as getting mm-hmm. on a blanket and having sure. a sandwich and laying back yeah. and watching it. And the, the weather here is fantastic in the evening. And you can, yeah. I think that that's what students are going to want to come back for. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and then uh, you quoted me, I'll quote you. Um, I do think another element to this, you know, that's a little bit closer to courses is I suspect that post-pandemic, part of that blended student experience will involve a post-modality swirl of course-taking behaviors. You you wrote a piece a number of years ago um, coining the term that we're in a post-modality era, and that was back circa 2008, 2009, something like that. And that, that's been our experience here at UCF. I think that's going to be the case at more institutions where students kind of bounce between fully online courses explicitly blended courses, fully face-to-face courses, and that will be a kind of a blend of their experience with the institution yeah. as well. Would you well, agree? Well, I think in many ways UCF was um, was a bit of a, a, I don't know, a groundbreaker in that because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the Chronicle did an article about us many years ago calling us the, the University of Tomorrow or something because of that phenomenon of students mm-hmm. swirling mm-hmm. between location and modality. Mm-hmm. It, it's like... I'm not an online student. I'm just a student. And I take online mm-hmm, courses. I mm-hmm, take blended mm-hmm. courses. I take it from this campus. I take it from that campus. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it. And and we try to facilitate that to, to the best of our ability. And that, yeah, that that's sort of the idea of postmodality. And I think more schools are experiencing that now and will. Um, mm-hmm. This came up on this call that we had with, across mm-hmm. the state today where, mm-hmm. where faculty, like 
could they decide halfway through the term, okay, next two weeks we're going to be online, and then come back and say, okay, in the rest of the term we're going to be face-to-face. Like, well, do they have the authority to do that, or is that a university right. decision, how right. you teach, what classroom right. you're assigned? Uh, it's a really good question, mm. and, and you know, the gentleman who's bringing it up is a faculty member, and, you know, he's bringing it up from that perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so blended, broader, big picture. You know, I don't think we have time to, to talk about this here, too, but maybe just to plant a flag for a, a future conversation that we've hinted at before. I do think part of the blended being the future is I think we have to allow ourselves some openness to further mutations of blended course design post-pandemic. We've already seen some of that um, call here at our institution, been planning for it and so forth. But we ought to unpack that maybe in a future conversation. Yeah, and and I would I would caution anybody listening to this who thinks, wow, the you know we got all this green field we can run because of all of this <laughs> technology. We got everybody kind of on board now, and it's been the ground has been laid. I'll mix all kinds of motive. <laughs> um, but I caution you: the same thing applies that applied with asynchronous online learning. Uh-huh. That I used to say, I still say that it's it, it's too easy to outrun the quality supply lines. Yeah. You can say just that open again for the mic. <laughs> yeah, really. You you can um, just create a new online course shell in whatever your LMS of choice is, like that, and, and assign a faculty member or hire an adjunct or whatever it is. Go teach. Well, that doesn't mean it's going to be good. And it's the same thing with synchronous. It's like, okay, hey, I know how to use Zoom. I can just teach yeah. like I do. Uh, that must be good. No, it, it needs you need to have it be sustainably yeah. high quality. Everybody's willing to forgive a little rough edges because of the pandemic. Yep. But going forward, yep. they will not. Yep. Nor will we, should we, as an institution, accept anything less than the best we could possibly offer. And I and I think we're approaching that pretty soon. Yes. People's yeah. expectations are going to yeah. go up. And it's like just because you're on Zoom is not enough. No, that's right. And I can't help myself, so I'll make two two real quick um, blended course design plugs, uh, and then we can unpack this another day. But uh, one, um, no matter what else blended might be in terms of mutations, um, I think blended has to be the strategic combination of online and face-to-face. Strategic. There's an intentional design, not just a combination of circumstances. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Tom. There's with blended design. There's a there is a whole that is greater than the sum of the parts. It's not just let me connect these two things. Like you said, not, oh, I've got a Zoom account now. I added it. No, there's there's a whole, and that takes intentionality and a thoughtful integration. We'll talk more about that another day, but. Yeah. If you're if you're tempted, don't be. Say no. Yeah. Just embrace quality. If it well, feels super easy, then um, <laughs> question it. That's right. right. That's yeah, right. It shouldn't be super easy. It's just no. not. Not if you're doing it well. Yeah, well said. Well, you want to try to land this plane for us? Let me. All right. So to paraphrase Dr. Kelvin Thompson, that blended is the future, and especially now more than ever. Um, But uh, this isn't just limited to uh, blended course design. Mm -hmm. The student campus experiences and the campus workplaces Mm -hmm. are more likely to be blended as we emerge from COVID-19 and move forward into Mm -hmm. the aftertimes. Yeah, I think that's right. 
I think that's right. We'll see if we're right, but I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And if not, we'll just delete this one from the feed. <laughs> Nobody will ever know we were wrong. <laughs> There's a record. That's, that's right. right. Well, well, thanks for the coffee, Kelvin. Thank you, Cindy, for the coffee. Yes, thank you. Talk to you soon. Yes. And uh, I guess that's a good place to leave it. So until next time, for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya. See ya.